following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You are now listening to Lucha Outsider Show, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. At Lucha Outsiders, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Lucha Outsider Show. Congratulations. You played yourself. Lucha Outsider Show, recognized of the symbol of excellence in sports entertainers. I am the heel, the seal, the steel, the villain, stage chilling, the anti-hero of the IWC, your boy, Mr. Rated R, and I'm joined by my tag team partner. He is the analysis of the L-O-C. He's the man that put the honor back in Ring of Honor. He's a straight shooter on Twitter, and when it comes to wrestling, he has a radar from the mean streets of Long Island. Man, that intro just popped the shit out of me, actually. I just mute myself. <laughs> you should have laughed, bro. I, you should have laughed. I laughed out loud, but I do not want to ruin any of the beauty <laughs> That you just brought to that <laughs> intro. That is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> What's going on, brother? Dude, complete sidebar. So on my way to Vegas, I was listening to the Talk is Jericho podcast with the Jericho Appreciation Society, right? With um, 2.0, fucking Danny Garcia, Jake Hager. Let me, let me tell you something. After listening to that episode, I became a bigger fan of the stable. Like, they were popping me so much with just their nonsense and stupidity. Like, just... Every time I hear, like, now, like, I was, I used to always look forward to Jericho's entrance, but now I look forward to it even more. Not ne- not necessarily for Judas, but just to hear, um, my guy from 2.0, um, uh, Matt, right? what is it, Matt uh, Menard. uh, yeah, Matt Menard just doing that intro. It's fucking hilarious. Dude, I was not a huge fan of Everize when they were in NXT as Everize. I thought they were so annoying. And right. They were trying way too hard. It just wasn't funny. Like, the, the segments they did just weren't really doing it for me. But ever since they came to AEW, man, and they've just been absolutely killing it, I think they are so damn entertaining. And especially with Jericho, they have just taken everything to the next level. Like, they, they are fantastic. Honestly, I would love to see – I know, like, you know, the same thing happened with Santana and Ortiz when they were in the inner circle. They didn't really get a chance to really shine outside of the group. But, man, I would love to see 2.0, uh, you know, do their own thing as a tag team, possibly challenge for the tag titles because they're just freaking awesome. Dude, it's just antics. Like, their their body language, their facials, it's just fucking hilarious, bro. Like, even listening to that podcast, I'm like, yo, these, these they're just good brothers. That's what they are. They're great sports entertainers. They're That's what they are. Sports entertainers. You do it so legit. Dude, it's so <laughs> funny. But, Ryan, how are you, bud? It's been a while. I'm good, man. Yeah, it's definitely been a while. It's, uh, you know, another crazy time. It's, it's uh, unfortunately, this is a crazy time of the year. And then, you know, got some other personal stuff going on. But uh, I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're recording because it's much needed. A lot has happened. And you went to Vegas, you came back, you 
just double or nothing. There's, yes. Uh, there's always injuries. There's oh. to, to get into and talk about. So we definitely had to record something. But I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, man. So I did go to Vegas for double or nothing. I recommend even if it's like non-wrestling related, I recommend you going to Vegas. Vegas is just such an awesome time. Attended, I originally was going to just attend two shows, but the day I got there, Friday night, uh, a friend of mine, Dana, told me, hey, listen, Black Label Pro is having like a late night show. Um, so I was like, fuck it, you know what? Let me just go. It's a late night show. I, could, I still have this whole day to still like hang out and you know explore Vegas. So I ended up attending Black Label Pro. That was a dope show. GCW was dope and then Double or Nothing. I thought it was fantastic, but I was there live. Overall, my Vegas experience was great. Now, you were watching Double or Nothing at home. I know it was a long show, but overall, what did you think of Double or Nothing? Yeah, uh, very, very long show. That was my biggest uh, complaint about it. I thought, you know, the show itself, the wrestling itself, obviously fantastic. You know, uh, typical AEW pay-per-view. It just, everything was top-notch. I, I don't think there was a bad match on the show but let me tell you man the length of the show took me out of it at certain points uh and i hate that i say that but uh it's just it was just the reality of it watching it at home and even all the, my buddies who i was watching it with i was watching it with five other people we were all saying the same thing like my goodness like just sitting there watching it like the pacing oh it's just it it started to drag after a while uh specifically the darby allen kyle o'reilly match completely just taken out of it i haven't even gone back to watch that everybody's saying it was a great match and i was i was watching it but like i just had trouble getting into it because at that point it was just like do we really need this match like there's so right. many other matches that are coming after it that right. are more important right. and we're sitting here watching this it's like 10 30 i'm like oh my god what time is this pay-per-view gonna end like we still had four big matches left to go and it was already almost 11 o'clock and i'm just like Oh my lord! Like, like this is just—I I understand they have four pay-per-views a year, but I mean, the eight p.m. to midnight, uh, you know, four-hour mark where they usually do the pay-per-views. I, I mean, that's still long right. as it is, but I feel like that is solid for the most part. And I don't—I don't typically complain about that because you know that's—it's fine. It ends at midnight. This is what it is. It's over, and they usually flow well. But this one ended at a little over, a little past twelve thirty yeah. here on the East yep. Coast, yep. and. Uh, Oof, I mean, you know, counting the buy-in, too, which I watched, you know, I was at 7, 7.30. I mean, that's a long night to watch wrestling. That's like five and a half hours, and I love wrestling more than anybody. Right. But I don't want to sit there and watch wrestling for five and a half hours. I mean, it, it just, it's not necessary. Um, so, yeah, that was my experience watching it from home. That's, that's why this is a pay-per-view that I'm probably not going to go back and watch. I'll watch a few matches maybe here and there. I actually haven't gone back and watched anything from it. Just because I was, I just was waiting for it to end, and I hate how I felt like that. But um, you were there live, and I was curious to see what your thoughts were because I'm sure being there live is a whole—it's always a different experience. Right. But um, did you feel that at all, being there live in the arena? I did feel like it was a long show, but one thing about being at a live show, and you can relate to this as well because you've been to so many different shows for all these different companies as well. It's like, if it's a good show, you kind of get that adrenaline in you. Unless you're one of these fans that just get, like, really gassed out and just get tired. And you're just like, all right, now I want the show to be over. For me, I didn't feel that way. There was some matches that I was a little bit not as interested as some other ones. Like, for example, the Kyle Riley 
Darby Allen match. It was a good match. Going into it, I really didn't give two shits about it, but they, they got me in. And I was telling this to someone because some people said, like, oh, it felt like the crowd was dying out watching it on TV. Me being there live, it had its peaks, right, where the crowd was really, really hyped, especially, like, the first quarter of the show. And then I feel like maybe after the Hardys and Young Bucks match, which the crowd was hot for, even though the match wasn't that great, even though the Young Bucks tried to do their best to make the Hardys look great, the crowd was really into that match, even though the match wasn't that good. And then we got, like, you know, um, Jay Cargill and Anna Jay and also, um, you know, the Scorpio Sky, um, oh, Kazarian God. versus Sammy G and... Or, or, no, it was Kazarian and, and fucking, I don't even know, but you know, like, Ethan Page, Kazarian. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. Right. That was awful. That was awful. <laughs> but uh, the, when the crowd, like, kind of woke up again, and this was actually my favorite match of the night, was the Anarchy in the Arena match. Dude, yep. that match was so much fucking fun. Like, I added that match, that was my favorite match of the night, and I added that match to the list of matches of the year, because that match was so dope. I kind of want this to be, like, a... Double or nothing tradition now. Like, okay, we, we can't get Stadium Stampede anymore. It, well, we could. Technically, we could still have a Stadium Stampede match, but we're just probably never going to have it like in one of these big pay-per-views, right? We could probably see like a Stadium Stampede happening like the next time they're at, um, what is it, a Daily's Place, right? But I don't ever see Stadium Stampede being a thing at a pay-per-view. Now, what do you do? You have like this Anarchy in the Arena match, which it was fucking awesome the it was so different that like i still haven't gone back to watch the pay-per-view even though that's on my to-do list but like if there's any of the matches that i want to see go back and watch it's specifically this one because i would like to hear how the commentary was during like the music just kept on playing and playing <laughs> yeah. yeah no that match definitely woke everybody up uh including me uh, watching at home too that definitely was the jolt of energy that i think a lot of people watching specifically at home needed uh, to get back into the show uh just in a chaotic brawl all the way around the arena uh the music playing was absolutely hilarious we, uh, everybody that i was watching with me included we were just oh uh, it was popping the shit out of us like we because we thought at first that it was by accident you know right. we're like oh god like the the music guys definitely get fired tomorrow mm -hmm. and then when it keeps going and then we see the spot with jericho unplugging right. the, the, the machine you, you kind of obviously knew at that point that all right this is obviously supposed to happen and um Tony Khan explained like why he did that. Right, uh, him it was, and Jericho afterwards. It was a, but, it was uh, a, it was a, it was kind of like a, a, a nice little tribute to New Jack. Yes, yeah, and I, I didn't really, I didn't get that at the time, but uh, you know, makes right, sense right. Now. But well, it's just hilarious, and it definitely made made for you know the moment and the match itself. Like people are going to remember it, right? Because you know, all of the, you know, the uh, wild thing was still playing throughout. <laughs> You know, the first half of the match, which was hilarious. But, yeah, so many, like, crazy chaotic spots going all around the arena. And I think what you said is, is probably going to happen because I think Tony and Jericho also mentioned this um, after the show as well. They they want this to be sort of like a double or nothing tradition because they can't do stadium stampede anymore. So um, I think it's a cool attraction yeah. match to have. It was great, dude. Year. It was great. Like, the crowd yeah. already was, like, popping because, like, the song didn't stop at first. Like, when after Monster's entrance, right, when they were all coming out through through like the crowd but then when the song stopped and it played again like it was such a huge pop in the arena like people were laughing and people were just so amped up it was fucking awesome i've never experienced something like that in wrestling because it was just so different and unique it, it was just dope it was like a dope moment
Yeah, yeah. I also, I really, you know, it's probably like a hot take because, you know, everybody usually loves like the brawls around the arena more so than like the action inside the ring. But I personally loved the sequence, like all the whole entire sequence towards the end when they did everything in the ring. Right. I'm trying to remember like the exact sequence, but like everything with the turnbuckles and everything. It was Mox, it was Mox, Brian, Hager, and Jericho in and the Jericho. ring, and then that's yeah. when you got like a zombie version of Eddie Kingston coming out all bloodied up with gasoline yeah, with the gas can. Yeah, yeah, oh my god, yeah. So I loved all of that stuff. The brawl around the arena obviously was chaotic and nuts too, but you know things like that, and you know it's okay. It's it's a different match. It's right. something unique, but like there was so much going on, right. bro. It's like hard to follow everything, and like when they did everything in the ring, we're all like, "Wait, where's Daniel Garcia?" Like I don't mm-hmm. even remember what happened to him. Like right. he, he was just gone. And, like, you know, I think he was in the elevator, and then somebody had mustard all over them, and, you know, then... Uh, Matt Menard was, like, tables. a bloody mess, too. Like, his face was covered yeah. in blood. Yeah, yeah, he was a bloody mess. There was so much happening. Right. It's, it's kind of hard to, like... And, I mean, especially in the arena, it's got to be even right. harder, too. Like, you literally... Like, you don't even know where to look. Like, you know, obviously, watching on TV, you got to obviously look at where the camera is. But, like, there's just so much happening at once, it's kind of hard to follow. But I love the stuff at the end of the ring. I thought it was perfect, uh, the way they did that. And I'm surprised that Brian ended up taking the pin. Obviously, it doesn't really matter, you know. And, and really did he really lose much it, out of but, it too? The way he lost, because he pretty much got like you know like destroyed by Hager yeah, and Jericho. So I don't think it yeah. did like damn. Well, let me not say damage yeah. to him because he's you know he's he's rumored to be injured. But we'll get to right, that. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll get to yeah, that, that later. Way, but like, right but like it didn't hurt his character. Like it didn't hurt his aura. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hate when people say, "Oh my God, he shouldn't take the pit." Oh, you know, it's a, uh, it's gonna hurt him. He shouldn't take a loss. Like, dude, like everybody's gonna lose. You know, right. it, it's it doesn't matter. Brian Danielson is a freaking star. And, right. Yeah. I mean, he's injured now. Maybe they knew that going into it. Maybe they're like, "All right, we're gonna write this guy off." And you know, when he comes back, then he'll you know feud with. Uh, well, actually, we got blood and guts coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. So he'll probably be a uh, you know good for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought the whole thing was was great though, and uh, and chaotic and. Yeah, I think uh, this is a cool attraction to have every single year at Double or Nothing. And it would definitely get people excited every year. So I want to kind of blend in some of the Double or Nothing aftermath with, we could sprinkle in some things that happened on Double or Nothing. So let's start off with, at the time, what was the biggest biggest news story happening Double or Nothing weekend. And like you felt it in Vegas. Like anybody that was out there for wrestling, that was pretty much like the talk of the weekend, and that was this MJF situation. MJF, he no-shows, and I, and I guess I'll put quotations here, because do, do we really know the truth, right? Like, this could have all been a work, who knows? MJF no-showed a meet-and-greet that was happening at the Fan Fest, and that kind of domino-affected where talent that were scheduled for certain times that had to stay longer. Also, Samoa Joe didn't do the meet-and-greet as well at the Fan Fest, but that was for, like... um. He was booked to do something else. I think some voiceover work for something. Pretty much that he was double booked. So, like, that that was nothing against Joe or AEW. But, you know, everybody was talking about this MJF situation where they were pulling the match. They were, like, not, like, advertising the match anymore. Then they were advertising it again. Everyone was talking about this, including talent. Like, including talent saying, like, they weren't even sure if this was, like, a worker shoot. Fast forward to Double or Nothing. Is MJF going to show up? Show up? And... Credit to AEW because they booked it really smart. And when he did come out, he kind of had like a shrug look on his face like he didn't want to be there. So the match happens. It was pretty much like a, like it was all Warlow. Like Warlow pretty much destroyed MJF. 
the way the match finished, Warlow gets the pin, and they kind of stretch her MJF out. So that leaves everybody questioning, like, are they writing this dude out? Like, like is this guy, like, done with AEW, or is he just going to take his ball and go home? Like, what's going on here? Between Sunday night and Wednesday night Dynamite, apparently after the match, MJF left the arena. There was a scheduled meeting. I don't know if you read this, but the wrestling news sites were reporting. I believe it was Fightful that reported it, saying that he had a meeting with Tony Khan in Vegas still, I believe Monday at some point. And then fast forward to Wednesday night, early in the day, they advertised that MJF was going to speak. So we're like, okay, like the world away. He comes out and he, a pipe bomb promo, it was more of a nuke, and he airs his grievances. He's been carrying this company on his back and he's been hitting nothing but home runs or grand slams while everybody else is just hitting home runs. He also mentioned how these XWWE guys are getting paid more than he does. And these are also, you know, people have had opinions about this. How, you know, one of the biggest criticisms about AEW and I guess Tony Khan is that he keeps on bringing all these guys, right? And some of them are XWWE guys. And. He cuts this, like, destructive promo on AEW and Tony Khan. And he ends a promo by saying he doesn't want to be here anymore. He wants to get fired. And he calls Tony a fucking mark. They cut to commercial break. No announcement, whatever. And when they come back from commercial break, the commentators are not even acknowledging what MJF said. So that was smart on their end. But what we didn't know is, what we later find out is, during the commercial break, people there's fan footage of CM Punk coming out and MJF just leads to the crowd. Comparing this to 2011, right? It's like kind of rolls, kind of rolls reverse for CM Punk. Like CM Punk and now is like the voice of reason, kind of like in a Cena role, and MJF is being like this anti-hero. So there was mixed reports coming out of this. Some people were saying like, "What we got here was meant to happen," meaning it became it was a shoot that became a work. From Sunday going into Monday. Meaning Sunday, MJF went there to do business. You know, he did the honors to Warlow. MJF and Tony had this meeting on Monday. I guess they came to some agreement. And now they're working this like, you know, blurring the lines of reality and fiction. Where MJF is becoming like anti-AEW. He doesn't want to be here anymore. And I don't know where they're going to go from here, right? There's other people saying... That the MJF promo was meant for him to be even more of a heel. But I don't know how anybody could even think that. Because the promo he cut, while he did trash the crowd, he was speaking facts. He was speaking truth. So that makes him more of an anti-hero. And that kind of gives puts him in kind of like a CM Punk role a la 2011. Where the crowd's going to get behind this guy. Dude, it, 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 at the time, it was, one of the, it was the biggest wrestling story like in the world. Where are you? Where's your head at in all of this? I mean, it's certainly interesting, man. It's uh, it's definitely what we love about this stuff, right? Like, this is when wrestling is at its absolute best, when we're second-guessing whether something's a work or a shoot, as well as everybody else, even, like, you know, the boys and girls backstage are even questioning whether it's a work or a shoot because nobody truly knows, and I love that. That's the best when you could bring real-life stuff into storyline like this. Um, but... I think what you said is 100% spot on. It's a shoot that turned into a work on Saturday, whatever the hell happened. You know, none of us will ever know. I know there's been 
different things thrown out about plane tickets being bought. Right. Oh, that was another thing. Right. There was another, that was another thing that, that I I think it was Fightful that reported it first where a plane ticket, which who would ever thought like someone buying a plane ticket was going to make headlines like this. Like a plane ticket has been bought going to Newark airport. Yeah. I mean, listen, not once did I believe he was getting on the plane and leaving. There's no shot he would do that to Wardlow, uh, even though the way MJF handled the whole entire thing on Saturday was probably not the best way to right. go about things. First of all, you don't no-show a meet-and-greet where people pay money. No. I understand he's a heel. I understand deep down he probably really doesn't give a shit, but like you just don't do that. And also, too, I'm going to give – I'm not defending what MJF did, but I'm also going to – throw some of this heat on AEW and Tony Khan. Do not throw MJF out for meet and greets anymore. There is literally no point of him doing meet and greets. Because he's an asshole. He's an asshole all the time anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, some people probably get a kick out of the experience they get with him. But for the most part, I mean, God, people are spending top dollar to meet this guy. And you're getting, you know, this type of experience. I guess that's what it's all about. You know, like when I met MJF, I had a funny experience, but... I also didn't pay for it. It was like uh, some charity toy donation around Christmas at the Creative Pro yeah. here on Long yep. Island. Yep. And, uh, you know, but like people paying top dollar, like 50 to to $100 to meet this guy for him to just call call you a fat piece of shit or something like that. And then like not even look at the camera for the picture, not even stand up. Like what a waste. And I know people pay that, but like, and you know, it's on those people who pay it too. But at the same time, it's like, just don't even bother throwing MJF out there, you know? It's just it's just not worth it. Uh, so that was problem number one. And I would have never, you know, no-showed like he did. Um, and then, you know, the plane ticket debacle, whether that was real or not, uh, maybe he was just bluffing, you know? Uh, he was basically, you know, uh, trying to get more money. Like, he was, he was tipping Tony's hand here and, you know, trying to hold out the night before a big show, a big match. And saying, look, if you want me to show up, like, give me more money or restructure my deal. Whatever the hell he wants at this point. I don't even know. I'm, like, so lost in all this news about what he actually truly wants. Um, but, yeah, regarding the the match itself, he came out and did the job like I knew he would. I, you know, went on first. Apparently, that was always the plan. Um, you know, reports, you know, circling around, like, two hours before the show that, oh, he's not at the building yet. It's just like, listen, he'll be there. And I think Brian Alvarez even said, too, like, that's when everything started to uh, turn into a work. Because if it was still a shoot, Tony Khan would have had to give MJF an ultimatum and be like, listen, you're not here at a certain time. Like, we're pulling the match. Like, there's no way he just didn't, you know, not he just nonchalantly showed up like an hour before the show. Like, they, they knew he was showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did the job and everything, got stretchered out. And then, you know... <laughs> I thought we were not going to see this guy for a long time. And honestly, we we really shouldn't have seen him for a long time. I don't necessarily like that they announced him to come onto the Dynamite um, and then he got this promo. While the promo was absolutely amazing, I probably watched it around 30 times. Dude, it was, uh, it it was, was, it was, it was so good. We'll, we'll get into the promo, but uh, keep going. We'll, we'll get into the promo and just like, where do you go from here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the promo itself, awesome. Have no problems with that. But the way he just nonchalantly walks out, okay, doesn't sell any of the injuries, doesn't sell any of the power bombs. Uh, you know, I think he said, like, oh, he's sore. But, like, yeah, listen, like, no neck brace or anything. Like, no, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't like that because it just makes Wardlow, like, I don't just kill the moment, you know? And like you said before, too, the whole entire weekend was about MJF when it was supposed to be about Wardlow. 
And, you know, now MJF looks like the bigger star coming out of it when, again, it was made to be Wardlow being the big star. So I don't like how they did that. He should have taken a few weeks off and then come back and then do this promo, uh, you know, maybe a month from now or something like that. But I just felt like it was not necessarily to kind of rush this. And now, where do you go with this? Because like you said, cut this promo. Um, it, it cuts the black, goes right to commercial. It comes back, and everybody acts like nothing just happened. You know, like everything, like the show moved on, like nothing, like nothing just happened at all. Um, so where do you go from here? Like he's not announced for tomorrow night, um, and you know, like what if we don't see him now for a few weeks? Like I just don't know why he had to do this so soon, right after the pay per view. So I want to go back to the Warlow thing situation because you know. Going into this before the, the MJF debacle happened, this was supposed to be Warlow's big moment, right? And coming out of Double or Nothing, it's like this MJF win really doesn't matter because he didn't come out better or worse after this match. Like, this MJF situation kind of took away from Warlow's moment. Like, it didn't hurt Warlow, but it didn't make a difference either. Right, right. I mean, and, and then what does Warlow do this past Wednesday? He's beating up jobbers again yeah he uh jd drake he faced like i, I mean i just i'm worried because i don't know if they actually have a plan for this guy like and you know we, we all we talk with rave and, and go off about how great aew is how they they treat their stars and everything how they build stars and yeah that's all true but like i don't know if they have a plan right now for wardlow and uh you know yeah it's just kind of like he got that big win over mjf he's signed to the roster now but now what? Like, it just kind of should have felt like a bigger deal than it actually did. Like, Warlow's still star. Like, I don't think it hurt Warlow. But this MJF should have been a big moment for him, and it just doesn't feel that way anymore. It just doesn't. It feels like... No. It, 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 feels like, it kind of feels like the match didn't even happen. Because coming out of this, nobody's talking about, hey, Warlow beat MJF. Everybody's coming out of this like, what's up with MJF? And I don't even know how you, if you feel the same way, but I feel like I kind of wish that MJF and Wardlow kind of went back and forth a little bit, like had a little better like match. Like I just feel like it was MJF just leaving the ring, you know, being scared of Wardlow, which obviously was going to happen. But then like it was just like what ten power bombs, and then like that was it. It was kind of a squash, and like okay, like I it, guess, it was whatever. It was a squash match, and MJF completely got squashed by Wardlow. Yeah, and I don't know if I would have went that direction. I, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it's kind of silly booking to me. Um, I don't know. I just kind of felt underwhelmed with that moment. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it just didn't really click for me the way it should have. I, and I, I feel like I'm not the only one feeling that way either. And like you said, especially with MJF coming out being the bigger star out of it, it's kind of like, all right, well, uh, that's really not what it was meant to be, but here we are. So fast forward to Dynamite, MJF does this amazing promo. AEW is now in a position where they have to pay this off. I'm not saying they have to pay off next week or next month or whatever. AEW is good at long-term storytelling, right? Like, I really hope there's an end goal to what they did with MJF on Wednesday. Whether you want to believe the rumors or not or the reports, apparently Warner Discovery asked AEW to pull off MJF, off the intro, off the roster, all these other things or whatever. I don't know if that's more of AEW playing into the story or there's some truth behind this. I'm going to go down the lines where this is a work and they're just trying to amp this up to make it more reality-based, right? 
But where do you go from here? I think MJF, with this whole MJF promo, um, he mentioned the ex-WWE guys, right? And then after that, what did we get? We got Morrison and Rusev. Amiro, right? I don't think that happened, you know, it was by accident. No, that happened by design. There's a reason behind that. Regardless of what we've seen in the past, like back in WCW or like even TNA, some of the some of my store some of the storylines that stand out, regardless on what the payoff was at the end, or maybe there was like some poor booking in between that, was when you had like kind of like the old guard versus the new new guard, right? Now let's let's go back to WCW. Um, during the era which a lot of people don't talk highly of, but there was something there that that could have been something, but they just executed it, executed it poorly. Was when they had the New Blood versus the Million Millionaires Club storyline, where you had like all the like legends like Sting and Sid Vicious and Kevin Ash and Goldberg and Hogan and uh, Sting, Lex Luger versus like the New Blood, like Booker T and Jeff Jarrett and and like Chris Canyon and all these other guys, right? Like Vampiro, like there was something there. Obviously, it was poorly executed, but there was something there, right? Fast forward to TNA, they did the same thing. They actually did it a couple times in the early days of like TNA. They had like sports entertainers, extreme versus like like the the NWA, right? Obviously, poorly executed, but there was something there. Then fast forward a couple years later, they had the TNA Originals versus the Main Event Mafia. Which there was something there. Now, granted, how it ended, poorly executed, but there was something there. I think they could do something similar here with AEW and doing it, doing it right. Meaning, MJF could be like the catalyst of this. Kind of could get into people's heads, like the four pillars, right? You have Jungle Boy, you have Sammy Guevara, you have Darby Allen. Now he's had issues with all three guys, but what if MJF gets into their head saying like? Listen, we've busted our ass for this company. Yeah, we didn't see, we haven't seen each other eye to eye in the past. But are we gonna let these guys coming into our company that we built and get paid more than we do, get the shine that we deserve? I think you could tell a really good story with this because they need to pay it off. And he keeps on mentioning these ex WWE guys. I think we could live, we could see a scenario where MJF not built a stable, but kind of built like a nice little crew. That backs him up against these guys that keep coming in. Like, I could see a scenario where MJF kind of gets into Britt Baker's head saying, like, listen, you were here from the start, and then you have Adam Cole getting more TV time than you? Like, I could see a scenario like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I wasn't really thinking that route. I was thinking more so of him just going for, you know, the title. And I, you know, I know... CM Punk is out right. now, but, right. um, you know, it wouldn't happen anytime soon anyways. But I was thinking maybe, like, all out, you know, you have CM Punk, you have MJF, and you have MJF take the title off CM Punk in Chicago and then kind of do – and it kind of doesn't really make sense because his contract's not up for another two years. I mean, right. That's why this whole thing is ridiculous, too. Like, right. if his contract was coming up – Right, it will, it will, it will play thing. more into it, like, kind of like how CM Punk in 2011. Like, it played more right. into it where CM Punk, his contract – was up the day he won the title, but it just so happened he signed a new deal that day of, and somehow they ended up WWE ended up doing what WWE does instead of having Punk defend the title in other promotions. No, they bring him a couple weeks later back to TV. <laughs> right, right. Well, that well that was the whole thing. Like all of that is what I was thinking that we're gonna do with MJF. Like he wins the title, and 
then he you know leaves. He he can even do the the the, the kiss in, in the crowd and mm-hmm. then, you know mm-hmm. run away and stuff like and especially in Chicago. Like oh my goodness! Like imagine that. Imagine the heat. Like dude, I wouldn't even be surprised if people started throwing garbage in the ring and littering and and everything like that. Like, right. What a what a moment that would in, be. In a perfect uh, world, MJF defeats CM Punk in Chicago at All Out. Yeah, I, that's exactly where I thought they were going with it. Um, but I mean, who knows now? I mean, right. now plans probably right. have all been shifted or whatever. But even if it's not at all out, you can always do it like, you know, I don't know. You can always have a dynamite in Chicago and you can have a world title match at MJF in Chicago or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I was thinking of. But I do like the stable idea a lot as well. Um, I think, you know, they have something here with MJF, you know, going against the, the, the former WWE guys. And I, you know, like you said though before, this is gonna make MJF into a babyface. Right. This ain't gonna, right. This ain't gonna make people hate him even more. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If, I mean, listen, Tony Khan's a, a smart guy. Like, I, I don't know if he didn't realize this or not. And even MJF is a smart guy too. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't think about this beforehand. But I mean, you know, and people, you know, and, and all these AEW fans can act like they hate WWE, right? Like we always pop for right, right, right. things, you know, the, the shots at WWE. But in, in reality, everybody probably watches. But, you know, the anti-WWE stuff on AEW programming is always going to get that pop. And it's always going to, people are always going to love that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, MJF is going to be, you know, cheered every single time throughout this. If, you know, that's the route that they go with MJF against anti-WWE guys. I mean, the AEW crowd wants to see AEW guys. They don't want to see former WWE guys. Right. So, like, like that, that it wouldn't even be, like, a heel faction. It would be, like, a face faction. So, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely going to get interesting. Um, like I said, the most interesting thing now is to see how long MJF is off of television because, uh, you know, I don't really know when you bring him back after this now. Also, I want to point out, too, Remember, the promo Heyman cut on Punk uh, the Wednesday before Double or Nothing, he meant, he told Punk, like, I'm trying to, like, save AEW from you. Like, he made it seem like Punk was toxic to AEW. And I feel like MJF could play into that as well, where... Maybe MJF and Heyman don't see eye to eye, but now they have like a common cause against like guys like Punk and some of these ex WWE guys that are coming in. And I'm not talking about like Jericho or Moxley because those are like AEW guys. Yeah, they came from WWE, but like they were here from the jump. I'm talking more of like guys like like a Punk, like an Adam Cole, like a Brian Danielson, like uh, um, even though they were. They were, you know, in, indie darlings, but like, you know, Shane Strickland, Keith Lee, like guys like Christian, right? Like, you know, I mentioned Jungle Boy before. Like, listen, eventually we're going to see the break of a Christian Cage and, and, and Jurassic Express, right? Jungle Boy's going to be feuding with an ex-WWE guy. So I could see MJF getting to his head and telling him, like, are you going to let this old vet take your spot? Like, no. I could see him being like, like an instigator and all this for his own benefit. Because his, now his crusade, it seems like to me, MJF's crusade is to be against these ex-WWE guys that are coming in. Yeah, I mean, it's, listen, I mean, I, if MJF and Hangman, like, what, what if Hangman turned heel and sided with MJF, right? I mean, that would be pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways that they can go about it because, you know, obviously there is a plethora of former WWE guys uh, who oh. have been signed oh my God. recently um, and over the last few years and, right. you know, who are making more money than MJF. And obviously that report came out that, you know, Mark Henry is making more money than listen, MJF. I mean, listen, I know Mark Henry and Big Show are legends, but there's no reason why they should be making ridiculous. more. They, they should be making yeah. more money than MJF. That, that is fucking insane to me. No, it is, and and that's that's a part too where I'm like, okay, like I can I can see where why MJF is frustrated, like because that would piss me off too. I mean, Mark Henry, for God's sake, wait, he's not even on commentary anymore. Anymore, he's his biggest thing is is the backstage interview for the main event of Rampage. That's literally it. I'm sure he does a lot more behind the scenes. I know he does stuff. Right, right. He does, they the do, but there's stuff. no reason why they should be getting paid right more money, more money, especially like a good amount of more money than MJF. Even Christian, I mean, listen, you know, everybody thought, oh, Christian coming to AEW is so awesome. It's so great to see him wrestling again. He, the dude hasn't wrestled in so long at this point. He had a couple of good matches with Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some good singles matches in the beginning uh, when he was first signed around this time last year. I think he had more uh, matches and impact than he had in AEW. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's done He's done squat at this point. Um, you know, he's managing uh, Dress Express, which is fine. You know, whatever he's probably you know mentoring jungle boy a lot which is great but i mean other than that like what is christian really even doing in the company at this point you know like i just don't even understand and for him to get paid more money too is just an absolute crime um so mjf definitely has arguments there no doubt about Mm -hmm. it but yeah i mean there's like you said with with all these all these you know guys and you even have the hardy boys thrown in there too just came in out of nowhere like and, and that's not going to stop. Like Tony is still going to sign former WWE guys over and over and over and over and over again. So who even knows? By the time MJF comes out on television, there could be two more Listen, former WWE look, guys signed. At this FTR, point. So. Happy Punk won the title. It's unfortunate, you know, and we're going to talk about his injury. But like Punk, in a weird way, he's kind of like in a Cena role now, where he's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of like the face of the company. He's always saying how great this place is. Place is. He's always talking about how Tony Khan is such a great boss right he's kind of like waving the flag of AEW how this place is so great a la what Cena has done for you know well not recently because you know Cena has gone to Hollywood and stuff but like you know Cena did it throughout like you know the the fucking 2010s for so long how in the late 2000s as well where he's like oh you know WWE you know WWE guy he's so fucking great you know blah 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 like, he's kind of in this weird Cena role where he's defending AEW, and I don't know, man. Like, if if they continue telling the story, and this ultimately leads to a Punk-MJF match down the line, and, like, CM Punk's trying to be, like, the savior for AEW, I don't know, man. I can see kind of the crowd turning on him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to happen, for sure. Absolutely, 100%. Um... And when that does happen, then, you know, if you're Tony Khan, you're making this decision whether you want to turn him heel or not. But for right now, he, you know, he is still getting cheered. Oh, absolutely, and, uh, yeah, especially is, now with the injury. Now it's like, it's yeah. kind of, now they're like in a mock situation where if you had plans of turning Punk heel somewhere down the line, now I don't see that happening, especially after the promo. F- and I guess we could, we could transition, unless you have anything else more to say to, about MJF. But after the promo Punk cut on, on Rampage, it's like... There's no way when he comes back from injury that they're gonna they're gonna boo him. There's no way. Yeah, no. I mean, he's the biggest baby face that they have right now. Um, and I feel I still feel like this is uh 
you know, it hasn't even been a year that Punk's been back now. I still feel like this is his welcome back tour, that he's not going to get booed right off the bat. I mean, people are still, I mean, for me too, and I'm sure for you as well, like, mm-hmm. it's still surreal to see CM Punk back, man. Like, it really is absolutely right. surreal to have him back. Um, it's just, and, you know, wrestling these high-profile matches, these pay-per-view main events, becoming world champion again. Like, it's just all surreal. And even he says, too, like, he never thought he would ever get this opportunity again. Like, he says every day is a gift because he never thought he'd be in this position ever again. And none of us thought he'd be in this position again, especially at 43 years old, you know, and after numerous times over the past few years where he said he'd never, ever return into wrestling. And here he is. So, yeah, he's going to get cheered for the time being still. going to continue to be their top baby face. But, yeah, eventually down the line, I could definitely see him, uh, you know, getting booed. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes, right? We've seen that. John Cena, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes. I mean, it's 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 the same pattern. So I could definitely see it over some time. But you but, know what's uh, gonna happen? It's gonna he's gonna he's gonna they're gonna boo him, right? And then once he turns heel, he's gonna win the fans back. That, that's the thing. Because yeah, that, that, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing with Roman, right? Like we booed Roman because we were tired of his overproduced promos. We were tired of the same shit with him. Like, the same presentation, him always winning when he shouldn't have been winning as many times. And then what happened? He came back. He fucking straight squashed The Fiend and fucking Braun Strowman. He came out with new teeth. He started wrestling with no shirt on, no vest, I mean. And changed his song. And now he's the fucking hottest thing. And everything, every, listen, every nickname, every moniker this guy creates for himself. Listen, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. It's very hard to argue that he's not the head of the table. It's very hard to argue that he's not the needle mover. It's very hard to argue that he's not in God mode. It's very hard to hard argue any of this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, man. Wrestling is weird sometimes, mm-hmm. and, and the fans are weird sometimes, you know, of who they boo and who they cheer. I mean, good amount of time, I don't agree with the people that they boo. Um, you know, obviously, Cody was one of them. Oh, and then, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, recently... Uh, Ruby Soho was getting booed on Rampage after she beat Chris Statlander to advance. But the you know what? Which I... So I was questioning that too, right? I'm like, why they're booing Ruby, right? I, I first of all, I love me some Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho, right? I love her. I love Ruby Soho, and I don't want to even get into the Owen Hart Cup. Like that's a discussion for another day. We'll have privately, whatever, because we have too much to talk about for you know on the list that I have, right? But mm-hmm. I was questioning, like, why they? How can you boo Ruby, right? But then, after the MJF promo, I'm like, I get it now. Now yeah, I kind of, yeah. I kind after the MJF promo, I connected the dots, and I'm like, you know what, women, because it goes down in women's wrestling too, right? You know, right now Athena, she made her debut, you know, and I'm happy to see her, uh, whatever. And you know, right now she's like kind of like the new toy, so people are happy to see her. But at some point. I can see the crowd kind of turning on her too. Where these AEW diehards, I'm talking about the people that are strictly AEW and XX, you know, I don't want to see more WWE guys, right? They're going to turn against someone like a Ruby, someone like an Athena, someone like a Tony Storm. And you know what? You could probably play this into this MJF story where MJF is not only talking to guys like Hangman Page and Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara or someone else. I could see talking about talking to someone, some of the women too, like a Chris Statlander, like saying, "Like, hey, you were here from the beginning, and you're gonna let all these divas come in and take your spot." I could see that playing into his story. Yeah, listen, I, I 
I'm in agreement too. I mean, I love Ruby, and uh, I, you know, honestly, I I understand why they were booing, but you know, Chris Statlander wasn't even supposed to be in this tournament, right? In the first place, um, you know, I feel like Ruby deserved it a little more, but I understand the frustration. I think it is time to start pushing Chris Statlander among other, you know, women that have been yes. from day one. I mean, listen, where is Penelope Ford been? Right? I mean, she's one of the day ones. She has not been on te- on television in God knows how long. I don't even know if she's even still with the company. That's how long she has been gone for. Um, they have legit brought in all these ex WWE guys, even in the women's uh, girls, I should say, even in the women's division. Um, and you know, even still, you're just yeah. I mean, every single time they go up against you know somebody who has been a uh, day one, right? they're just they're always coming out on top and it's just you know that's gonna have to change because i think you know like 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 i just said people are booing ruby people are starting to grow frustrated uh with the amount of talent they have on the roster they keep bringing in more people and you know just everybody keeps getting overshadowed and yeah i mean it's it's like i said it's going on both the men's and the women's divisions and something has got to change i know you said we're not you know we're not going to touch on the own hard cup tournaments that well but Britt Baker should not have won this tournament either. I mean, goodness gracious, she is. I wanted Ruby to win so fucking bad. I wanted her to win so bad. I love, I love Britt Baker. I think she is fantastic. There's no denying her hard work and her passion and how good she is. But Jesus Christ, she's becoming AEW's Charlotte Flair, and that's not a good thing. Listen, Uh, but you know what? The second Adam Cole won, I already knew Britt Baker was winning, even though I wanted Ruby to win so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was probably a dead giveaway at that point, but I just feel like she did not lead this tournament. Listen, she shouldn't have even been in the finals. Tony Storm should have won over. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. I want Ruby and you want Tony. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, you know. Yeah, like I say, uh, AEW ain't perfect by any means. They definitely got their issues, and these are their issues. Uh, and, you know, of course. You know, if you ask Tony about this, and I'm surprised. You know, you know, well, first of all, Tony's going to tell you that Double or Nothing was one of the greatest greatest shows in oh, AEW history. Dude, uh, listen, I love Tony, obviously, but man, like, watching the Double or Nothing scrum after, oh! afterwards, he just absolutely cannot, like, he just can't take any criticism. Let's fucking go. Everything Let's with, fucking like, these, go. Let's with fucking these long-winded go. answers. Yeah, I mean, just like going off on everybody who just ask even like something that's so, so harmless so he'll just go off on it defending it to no end well I thought it was great no, I mean blah 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 I mean just like Jesus Christ man like he's gotta learn how to take criticism a little bit better alright I'm, I'm semi joking when I say this but do we think that Tony Khan's on drugs possibly cocaine <laughs> I know I know a lot of people joke around and, and say he does uh, you know cocaine and all that stuff but um, I mean dude I, I don't know but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, to, to, honestly, in order to be on the, the schedule that he's on with as many projects as he has, he's got to be taking something to keep him on on high alert all the time and keep him this hyper because there's no way this guy gets eight hours of sleep every single night and he still does all this media and, and runs a football team, a soccer team, and a wrestling and two wrestling companies. Like, there's just he's got to be on something. So what you're trying to tell me is Ryan is that. There's potentially we do live in a world where Tony Khan and Chris Jericho are on their private jet, you know, just messing with some, you know, some nose candy. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, I, I could, I could definitely, definitely see it. And if it doesn't happen all the time, it definitely has happened once or twice before. So, um, yeah. Okay, so back to the the punk of it all, 
Punk announces his injury. Um, it's a foot injury, and so there, there's so many different theories about how he got this injured, right? But rewind back to double or nothing. Like he missed the buck buckshot lariat twice. Like he busted his ass twice. So I'm thinking like. Maybe something was going on there, and then whatever happened Wednesday, like, completely took his ankle or foot or Achilles out. I know some people started speculating that when he did the the crowd dive, that's when he hurt himself. I'm going back more where he might have tweaked his foot or something at double or nothing, and then he just finished it off at Wednesday. I don't know where your head's at with this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I'm not really sure myself. Um, I did read that it was on the crowd dive, and if that's the case, um, he's never going to do that again. I'm right. sure he's regrets that. Right. Um, that that promo really got me, man. Um, yeah, me too, man. It was definitely definitely emotional, especially the the the, um, the part of it where he goes, you know, um, I got a, a few. Uh, things broken but the biggest thing broken is my heart and you know you, you can just tell he loves this so much now it's well he so was crying he was before he even said anything like you saw his eyes like that wasn't hey i'm trying to you know victimize myself here and i want you guys to feel bad for me like no he's legitimately feels bad he feels like he let the audience down we said it so many times on the show right where when you see him out there he legitimately looks fucking happy. Like, yes, I'm, I'm sure he's getting a nice check from Tony, right? But you could tell, like, he's having fun. Yeah, dude, I, and it's, who would have, and even him, he, he never thought, and none of us ever thought, like, he would be this happy for wrestling again. I mean, dude, he was, he legit never wanted to talk about it. He always, no. like, talked down about it. It was just so, like, a, he had such a sour taste in his mouth after leaving WWE. And my goodness, it's like, it's like the CM Punk of old again. Like, he's happy. He, he's like, oh, the only thing I want to do is be in here and wrestle. But, dude, like, there was a point where he never wanted to wrestle ever. He didn't even want to think about wrestling. And, like, it's just an absolute beautiful thing to see how passionate he is about it now and how much, how he's just so rejuvenated and how his love for pro wrestling is back. And it's just, it's incredible. And it sucks. I feel so bad yeah. for him. This Me is too. just the worst freaking timing, man. This always seems to happen after somebody we want. Bro, something is going on, bro. With the, you know, because there's a, there's a couple more injuries that, that are happening in the world of wrestling. But, man, yeah. this one, you know, this one and another one that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Man, this one is just like. He just wins the a world title. The gut, man. Yeah, he just wins the world title. And yeah, granted, they're not stripping on the title. They're going to do, you know, because Tony Khan loves interim championships. So, listen, if he could have an interim promotion, he would. But he loves him some interim championships. So, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in, in a second. But I just, man, like, see, so me being there live, seeing him win the world champion, world title, right? After. I thought the match was good. Was it a gr- was it a perfect match? No, but I thought the match was good. I, I I thought Hangman and Punk told a great story, and just seeing him have this moment, seeing how happy he was, um, FTR coming out there and you know just celebrating with him, it was just such a phenomenal moment. And you know I got to witness that. And you know Punk is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So it's like, man, what a great moment. You know, fast forward not even a week later, he has to make this announcement on Rampage. You're looking at this guy, and the second I saw his face, I'm like, this is not going to be good. 
He's gonna. Yeah. Say, this is not gonna be good at all. Well, I'm sure he he is he is upset, right? He is upset. He probably feels disappointed. He probably feels like he you know because he said in his promo how he feels like he let the audience down, but he did say that he's he plans on coming back, and just because he broke his foot doesn't mean that the wheels has fallen out fallen off completely. You know, Punk is such a, like a master when it comes to words. He took us on a journey in that promo too. Like he knew, yeah. like he took us to the point where. Like, people were in the crowd was just, like, so devastated. And they're like, yo, this is it. Like, that's it. And then he's like, but I'm going to come back. And I'm going to come back better. And I'm going to come back faster. And it's like he's getting us hyped as well, even though we feel so heartbroken for this guy. But I am happy that, regardless how I feel about this interim world championship tournament or whatever it is that they're going to do, I am happy that we are going to get him back at some point. No, You know, he made that promise. He told his fans, he told the audience that, he plans on coming back, and that just shows how much he this means to him, that he wants to come back. Yeah, you know, he said he's going to come back faster, stronger, and hungrier than ever. And, dude, I really feel like he's going to go hard as hell to mm-hmm. try and rehab yep. this shit and get in the best – I mean, not to, not to say not in the best shape of his right. life, man. He's going to even come back even better, uh, you know, looking than he was before. And I just feel like he's it's going to be a huge blessing in disguise. Yep. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's not too – too long uh, of a layoff. I mean, I'm hoping it's one to two months, uh, if that, you know. I, I uh, hope he's back more. by All Out, because I do plan on going Me All too. Out. I hope it's All Out. You never know. Not saying that CM Punk is old or anything, but, you know, he's he's not no spring chicken I mean, He's either. not young, you know. Right. Yeah, he's, he's in so, his mid-40s, so. Right, so you know. age does play a factor here as well, but I'm hoping for the best for Punk. I think perfect, perfect scenario, he's back by All Out. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah. I mean, that that could be a possibility. And I'm not a doctor, and I, I'm not one of these, uh, you know, crazed fans that you know looked up uh, how long a broken foot takes to heal or anything like right. that. I did not Google that or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, all out is Labor Day weekend. It's, it's the beginning of June right now. I think you know he has a surgery. I I, I don't know if he had it already or if he has having it this week. Yeah, I think uh, All Out could definitely be a possibility for him to come back. I don't see why not, but I, I get anything can happen. Uh, you know, you could have setbacks or whatever, rock on wood. But, yeah, like I said, I hope for the best. I hope for a speedy recovery because, uh, you know, I was ready for, for a nice long run. You were ready for and, Summer of Punk 3. That's what you were ready for. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. man. And, and it sucks that we have Forbidden Door coming up. We're oh, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Forbidden and, Door uh, seems like it's getting cursed because – yeah, yeah. I, you know, I guess we'll stay on the topic of of the injury stuff, and then we'll go back to like the, the interim world championship situation. But like now, reports are coming out that Adam Cole is hurt, and he's not going to be ready by Forbidden Door. And then Brian Danielson is also hurt. Uh, I did read that Adam Cole should be uh, he should be good to go by Forbidden Door, okay. so he's going to be off of TV for a little bit. Um, and then Brian Danielson too. He's only supposed to be out. Yeah, one that one I know that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's been a terrible week of injuries. It just seems like when it rains mm-hmm. it pours. Yep. And uh, yeah, like everything's just getting twist turned upside down for Forbidden Door. You know, they obviously booked it in the United Center in Chicago for a reason because CM Punk was going to be at that show, God. and uh, you know, it's just not meant to be. And uh, so, yeah, I guess we can Listen, man, you know what you do? What you do is you have Colt Cabana win the Intro World Championship. (laughs) And we have Colt Cabana and Hiroshi Tanahashi in the main event. Oh, my God. And then you see him come back and, oh, man, 
Cena Punk versus Cole Cabana, that'd be money. Oh, money. oh my god. The interim world championship situations. I think people are in confusion, especially after watching Rampage, because at first you think that he was relinquishing, CM Punk was relinquishing the world title, but he's not. He's still going to remain world champion, and they announced that there's going to be a battle royal tomorrow on Dynamite, because we're recording on a Tuesday. There's going to be a, a battle royal, and then whoever wins that battle royal is going to face John Moxley, who is the number one contender, or ranked number one, which is, even if the rankings man matter, I don't even fucking know anymore, but is going to is gonna face Moxley in the main event, and then the winner of that is going to face the winner of Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto at Dominion, which that's happening this weekend, so I'm excited for that, because Dominion looks like... Dominion feels like Dominion again, okay? So, the winner of that match, then they'll have the match at Forbidden Door, both winners, to decide who's going to be the interim world heavyweight champion. Yeah, um, they definitely overcomplicated this yeah, more so. It, it sounds it like a lot. Been. It sounds like a um, lot. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's. Uh, I mean, because I wasn't even. I wasn't even home Friday night, so I wasn't watching Rampage live. Right. Like, you know, I got a group chat with my friends, and they're all sending me this stuff. Oh wait, Bob oh, Punk, he relinquished his title. Oh wait, no, he didn't. Oh, but Jericho saying the title's relinquished. Oh, there's a battle royal. Oh, and uh, you know, the winner is going to be crowned the champion at Forbidden Door. Oh wait, no, the winner's going to be. Uh, crowd of dynamite. I'm just like, what in the world is even going on? And then AEW had to literally release uh, an entire press release the next day explaining this whole entire thing. Um, and then, you know, adding a match to Dominion to, you know, be like a number one contenders match as well. Um, what they're going to do is, at Money of the Bank, they're going to have the AEW world title strapped on there, and then whoever wins that <laughs> is going to be AEW champion. And then they're going to go to AEW and have another XWB guy go there <laughs> to defend the champion. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's just, just it's overcomplicated so that nobody understands it. Um, yeah, so I, I think this is going to end up being Tanahashi versus uh, John Moxley. That's what I think as well. Um, and it's kind of fitting, too, because yep. Mox has been chasing Tanahashi yep. on New Japan, if anybody's been paying attention to that, and that match still has not happened one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just only fitting. Um, you know, you know what match, would be dope? You know what would be dope? I don't know. I mean, listen, with Tony Khan, Tony Khan money, listen, anything is possible. But you know what would be really fucking dope, dude? If Moxley wins at Dynamite, right? He wins uh, whoever he faces in the main event. Dominion happens, and Tanahashi wins his match, and then after the match, Moxley comes out and they have a face-off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be really cool. Um yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? If that I'm, listen, I'm I'm really excited for Dominion. I don't know if you saw the card, but it feels like it feels like in the words of Michael Cole, it feels like vintage Dominion. Like I get, I'm getting the Dominion vibes. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the card the card's definitely solid. I had planned to wake up to watch it. I probably still will, but I'm not gonna watch the whole entire show because like the first half is dominated. Yeah, by, like, I'm probably gonna wake up matches. maybe like a quarter into the show. So I think. Yeah. From what I saw time-wise, uh, I think it starts at 1 in the morning. So I'll probably be up maybe, well, depending if I do anything Saturday night. That also plays a factor, too. You know, listen, yeah, yeah. sidebar, there, I remember this one year. It was the year that Kenny Omega won the, defeated Okada for the world title, okay? That year, I broke night to watch Dominion because I was doing something that night. By the time I got home, I only had, like I think, like 45 minutes to spare. So I'm like, I might as well just stay up. I think I yeah. had, like, two cans of Monster. I had, like, some snacks. Dude, by the time Dominion was over, I was tired, but I was, like, had so much adrenaline in me because I'm like, Kenny Omega fucking did it. He finally did it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, dude, Dominion, I used to be the same way. Uh, the first Dominion I, I watched was back in 2016, and it was uh, the main event was uh, Naito versus um, Okada. Okada beat Naito in the main event to become the champ, and uh, that was when like Kenny Omega faced Michael Elgin in a, like the first ever ladder match. Yeah, in New yeah, Japan. yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, it was like the first one I ever watched, and I remember like I came home from uh, like a party that night because um, I was like the summer I turned 21. Mm-hmm. I like I went to a party, whatever. I came home, it was like it was like almost two in the morning. And then I knew Dominion was starting at three, and uh, I literally just stayed up the whole entire night. Yeah, I fuck it, I'm staying up. I, I'm pretty sure I did that a few other times, too. Like, I've watched Dominion, I mean, for the, you know, pre-pandemic, I watched Dominion every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a few times where I did just stay up the whole entire night. Uh, but I don't think I could do that anymore, especially with, uh, you know, the first half being, like, black, you know, with the tag matches. That usually puts me to sleep. So if I sleep for a little bit, and then you wake up for, like, the, the big one-on-one matches. I know there's a couple of title matches. Uh, Tama Tonga versus Carl Anderson I'm looking forward to. Um, there's a triple threat that I didn't even know that just got added. Um, I guess Will Ospreay is healthy again. Yeah, um, well, I, I think it is infection. Will Ospreay, Juice Robinson, and why can't I think of the other person that's in this match? Um, yeah, I can't think of uh, I can't think of who else it is either. Oh, oh my guy, my guy, Sonata. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I thought it was supposed to be Juice and Sonata one on one, and then um, you know they added uh, Will Osprey, which is really awesome. That, and that, then should, that should be a really dope match. Yeah, and then obviously the main event, Jay White and Okada. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely some stuff. Like I said, I'm going to try and wake up for it. Even if I don't wake up for it, that's definitely going to be the first thing I try and do on Sunday is to check out those matches because yeah, I mean it feels like you know a big New Japan show again where you have these top matches right. that you know are, are going to be must see. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Dude, if we do a show Sunday morning, just I'm gonna have like two rebels because it's yeah. it to be like probably get like what two hours of sleep or something after the beans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, we should just go right into the show like a post uh, a post Dominion show right away. So, uh, yeah. So, so we're talking about New Japan, uh, unless you have something else to say about the interim world championship uh, uh, match, like or I think we're 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 both in agreement that's gonna be Tanahashi and Moxley, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, who goes over is going to be interesting. I know the the safe bet there is is John Moxley, but um, dude, I wouldn't be opposed to them putting it on Tanahashi, having yep. him run with it for one to two months, and yeah. then CM Punk comes back as the you listen know, the real Tanahashi and, Tanahashi you know, and Punk to unify the titles at All Out. That sounds like a good main event to me. Yeah. Yeah, and you're basically picking up mm-hmm. right where you left off with the plans, where yeah. CM Punk obviously was going over Tanahashi anyways, and yeah. you still get that cool match. So, yeah. um, you know, that's kind of, that's what I would do. Uh, but also, too, if you put it on John Moxley and then you take it off him with Punk, I mean, either way it works. Uh, right. So, Whether you go, you, yeah. you can't go wrong with either Tanahashi and Punk, and this is all, this is all speculating that Punk's going to be 100% buy all out. But let's mm-hmm. say if he is. You can't go wrong with either direction, whether it's Mox and Punk or Punk and Tanahashi. Yeah, right, right. So either way, whatever happens, uh, I'm cool with it. You know, it just, finally, you're going to be there. But it just kind of, uh, you know, I was looking forward to to watching the show. I mean, still am looking forward to watching Forbidden Door. But, you know, and while Mox and Tana will be a great match, it's just obviously not the main event I think everybody wanted for for Forbidden Door, which is... uh, uh, a real shame. Listen, there was so much, and, and listen, I'm not saying there isn't hype going into Forbidden Door and people are not excited for it. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it just seems like Punk getting hurt, it feels like it's cursed in a way. I don't know. It yeah. just seems like it's cursed. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, I know the event's still a few weeks away, but, you know, man, like, are we going to start getting billed? Like, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do on, on tomorrow night's show. I mean, dude, like, I can't even begin to predict what the card's going to be. I know there was a rumor of Okada and Hangman, but then that's, like, came out that, oh, that's not confirmed for sure. I really want to um, see Okada and Brian. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, that's the thing. What's Brian doing? What's Adam Cole doing? What's Jay White doing on the you show? Know, you I know what would be a good match? LIJ versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, especially with Jericho and uh, Naito having history. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That'd be awesome. I know that the, the tag match is probably uh, all but confirmed. FTR versus uh, Great O'Conn and uh, Jeff Cobb, which is like, yeah, that's whatever. You yeah, know? but is that? Um, but that, it's not like that's going to be the only tag match. Like, the Bucks have to have a match. That's what I'm saying, too, too. Like, there's so... Dude, I have a feeling, like, and I, you know, that's my biggest problem with this show, and I know that's, like, typical New Japan, but, man, like, I just, I don't want to see a bunch of 10-man tag matches, oh, you know, yeah. and then you have, oh, like, yeah. three, three, one, you know, like, I don't know. I, Listen, I have a feeling we're gonna, because, again, me, you gotta get all these people on the card, but... If Cole is back 100, like, if Cole is back, you know what? He doesn't even have to be 100%. You know what? Give me fucking... Let's see... I don't think that's going to work. Is the House of Torture, are they still part of Bullet Club, or are they like their own separate entity now? I have I have no freaking clue. Well, you know what? Listen, have them defend the Never Open Weight six-man titles against like a, another trio in fucking in AEW and have them win the titles. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Shit. Yeah, I, like I said, there's so many different directions they can go with this. Um, but I mean, like, I mean, what is it? It's June. I know it's June seventh right now. It's at the end of the month. But you only have a few more dynamites. Like, we gotta get the ball rolling on this. Uh, you know, on the build to this, and, and it's starting out to some of these matches. Because, like I, I said, I can't even predict what the card is even gonna look like at this point. I think we're gonna have an idea who Okada's gonna face after Dominion. Yeah, yeah. I think everything will be more clear after that too, uh, for sure. All right, let's uh, move on to WWE. You know, the, the, there was a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view this past uh, Sunday night. I thought the show was, it was good. It was an enjoyable show, especially the main event and, and the opener match, the triple threat match for the Women's Championship. But, but going into this pay-per-view, there was a report that Cody Rhodes got injured as well. Not in a match, but he was training, weightlifting, and he tore his pec when he came out for his match Sunday night like a trooper. When I tell you... His chest looked like... It, it looked bad. It looked really bad, dude. It looked like a piece of meat. It looked like liver and onions. Like, it just looked really bad, dude. It was so bad. I, like, I did, like I said in my post when it came to Cody Rose. And listen, respect to Seth Rollins, too, because it takes two to tangle here. And I'm sure Seth Rollins took care of Cody as well. I just don't understand how anybody could boo Cody Rhodes. Like, this guy lives and breathes wrestling. If he wasn't... Like, over before, right? It's safe, it's safe to say that his WWE return has been nothing but a success, right? Every match he's in, every segment he's in, he just gets cheered. Everybody's, like, invested in Cody Rhodes. But, man, after the performance he had Sunday night, it's like, what the fuck? Like, he became even a bigger star and a bigger face for the company. Yeah. I don't know how anybody could boo him. Like, I, I was, listen, we, we talked about this before, Ryan. Me and you have been in the camp, like, we, we didn't understand why he was getting booed in AEW. And we're, you know, we, we, we are AEW diehards, right? Like, we love AEW. But we just never understood why people were booing Cody. But it's like, how can you boo the guy now? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, this was truly just remarkable. I, I, I almost have, like, no words. Um, 
I never want to hear anybody ever say that thing about Cody Rhodes yes. ever again. Never. I mean, he cares more about the fans and pro wrestling than probably anybody else. Uh, you know, it's just just unbelievable. I mean, I cannot even believe what he pulled off uh, with this torn pec, with his chest and his arm looking the way it did. Um, you know, going into it, I was like, wow, torn pec. Like, that, that – uh, doesn't sound good, and the fact that it's just not a regular one-on-one match, it's a freaking Hell in a Cell match, like, what the hell is this guy going to do? Um, so I was very, very curious, and man, when he took off that jacket, oh. that just, like, that gasp, like, from the crowd, it just, they just went silent, like, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, oh my goodness, like, what is he going to do? And dude, the bumps he took, like, mm-hmm. just everything that he did, I mean, it was one of the gutsiest, like, performances ever, like, what, just all hard uh, solely his decision, like he said after the show, to just you know go out there. Yep. Nobody forced him to do it. And my thing is, it, it's probably, and I don't know anything. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a doctor. And I, I did, you know, hear Brian Alvarez talk about this too, and it makes sense. Um, he basically said like, there's probably nothing that Cody Rhodes could have done to make it worse. Damage right. this. So like it was basically just well this shit's gonna hurt so you know if you can fight through the pain then go for it mm-hmm. and you know Cody Rhodes is tough as nails man he wants to perform for the fans especially his first pay per view singles uh, main event WWE there was no no shot he was gonna miss this um, you know he's on the promotional poster he's on the chairs he's on everything and he's like their biggest star and if they pulled that match if they pulled him my goodness, this pay-per-view would have been even more pointless than it already was. So, right. uh, God, kudos to him, man. I, I I couldn't even get over it, bro. Like, I... Insane. It was just a, an awe-inspiring performance. Um, I have so much love and admiration for this man. I just think he's the absolute best. And, I, like I said, I don't think anybody, anybody could boo him or hate on him after that. And let me tell you, when he comes back, I don't know when it's going to be. It could be six months from now. It could be three months from now. Who the hell knows? My goodness, dude, strap the rocket to this yeah. guy. He's going to be so – he's going to be more over than he already is. Right. Like, there's Absolutely. not one single person that had a bad thing to say. He was getting praised to the moon as he should have been. The match was fantastic. Kudos to Seth Rollins, too, for, yep. for protecting him. And, and just, uh, you know, there's very few people that could have gone in there with Cody – and protected him the way Rollins did. Um, and, you know, he was just, he's a one-of-a-kind generational talent in himself. And, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> unfreaking believable. I, I, like I said, I was blown away. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I played uh, softball Sunday morning, and I was just, my legs were sore. I was sore as hell after that, right? right. I couldn't wait to lay down. I'm 27 years old. Right. This man is going out there with a torn pec wrestling in a Hell in a Cell match. Right, and, and you're, you're like, why like, am I bitching about my legs? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, damn, I can't complain about anything anymore because my right. is like, nothing even compares to this. I love Cody Rhodes. There's just no other way to say it. I just love Cody Rhodes. He just, he's one of a kind, man. He, he really just lives, breathes this business. And, you know, fast forward to Monday Night Raw, he came out and, you know, the fans, standing ovation by the fans. Cody Rhodes, what a guy, fucking saying, like, no, you don't have to thank me, you know. Um, yeah. It's just like, come on, bro, like, what the fuck? And then what I loved about about the segment, too, is then Seth Rollins comes out, and what will happen in the ring between Rollins and Cody, I feel like that was real, right? Yeah. And, yeah. like, that was real. Like, that was, that wasn't Seth Rollins. That was uh, Kobe Lopez talking to Cody, right? 
when Rollins leaves and then, you know, Cody, you know, you know, says goodbye to the fans or whatever. And then he's walking. Then it became, okay, now we're putting back, we're putting the show back on now. And we're yeah. going to continue telling the story wherever this ends up going. It's one of these situations where it's kind of like fight forever, right? Between Rollins and Cody. I don't know when and where they're going to continue to tell the story, but I, it wouldn't shock me that in 2023 at some point, we see Cody and Rollins for the world title. It would not shock me. You know, yeah, depending yeah. on how the world title situation works by then, right? Whether Roman's still holding, holding dual t- championships or he defends them, um, you know, individually at some point. Who knows? But, you know, I think Cody and Rollins are destined to fight forever. You know, and you know what? I'm not against it. You know, I said it about the Bucks and Lucha Brothers after the match they had in Rampage. To me, I'll never get tired of seeing the Bucks and Lucha Brothers. And we've seen Cody and Seth Rollins have back-to-back matches in pay-per-views. And guess what? I'm not bored of it yet. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's the one thing, too. And I know a lot of people complain about the rematches in WWE, right? Like right. They constantly do rematch after rematch after rematch. But this is, like, this is the WWE formula, like, when Cody comes in, he faces Seth at WrestleMania. Like, you knew that wasn't a one-off. You knew he was going to fight him again. And then, even after Backlash, you knew he was going to fight him again. And, like, usually it's a three-match series. That's kind of what it is. And usually, it's like one guy goes over, then the next guy goes over, and then the, the third match is the, is the you know, uh, you know, each guy has a win. Now it's, you know, whoever wins the rivalry, you know, uh, wins the third match or whatever. But in this case, Cody Rhodes swept, swept the whole right. entire thing. He beat Rollins at all three pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. But point being where i'm getting at here is that it's not necessarily a bad thing that wwe does this sometimes where they have rematch after rematch after rematch because seth rollins now has been part of two in my opinion of the best trilogies that we have seen in the past two years i agree edge and now with cody rhodes and these matches you're going to look back on in a few years and be like holy shit like those were just phenomenal the story that they told in these uh, two trilogies specifically with the one with Edge and the one with Cody now have just been phenomenal as well. Everything's just been so enjoyable. So this is a rare occasion where it's like, yeah, it's a rematch after rematch, but it's it's something like that's always been interesting and it's always like, it's always a great match and it's just a pleasure to watch. Like you said, you can watch these two fight forever. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, we're getting Cody and Seth again at Hell in a Cell, but like, Dude, I mean, the story just has been absolutely right. tremendous. And I know, you know, Seth attacked him afterwards uh, on Raw with the sledgehammer. But when Cody comes back, the story's not continuing because of that. Like, Cody's going to move on. Seth, obviously, is going to do his own thing. This was kind of just to write Cody off the TV for a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, like you said, if they revisit this for the world title next year. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Yeah, me too. Because you'll see this. They'll play this back in the in the in the promo packages leading up to like uh, hypothetically speaking like this title match right where they go like hey there's history there like don't you remember but you know you took me out when I was already injured etc cetera, etc cetera. they could tell like another great story you know a year from now or six months from now whatever yeah dude it's like I said these two are always going to be attached mm-hmm. if I feel like throughout you know the rest of their careers in WWE. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're lucky to have two talents like Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. I mean, it just, uh, I just feel like a lot of people probably take them for granted, and we really have to learn to just enjoy right. them while we have them, especially Cody, too, yeah. talking yeah. about how hard he just fought through this uh, this injury. I mean, what, what a freaking 
guy. There's not many people who would have went out there and did what he did, and he didn't have to do it. He did not have to. People are saying it's dumb, it's stupid for him going out there and doing this. He wanted to do it, and hats off to him. And like I said, he got everybody has to show this man some respect because, like I said, not many people would have gone out there and and done what he did. One one last thing that I want to add on to what you were saying about like how people complain about WWE always having like the same fucking match, repetitive matches. I think the criticism is more towards WWE just doesn't listen to their audience, right? Because I don't really, I didn't really see much. Maybe you did, but I didn't really see much people complaining about, oh, we're getting Rollins and and, and Cody again at this pay per view. Because I feel like people were invested in the story and invested in all three matches. Like you could, you know, you could make an argument that all three matches we could talk about at the end of the year. I I'm more of of Cody. Rollins won, but I enjoyed all three matches. I loved all three matches, especially the Hell in the Cell match. Like, this is one of those Hell in the Cell matches that mattered, right? You can't compare this trilogy, even though we've seen them go at it for three pay-per-views back-to-back, to seeing fucking New Day fucking take on Sheamus and company every fucking Friday night on SmackDown. Like, it's not even comparable. Yeah, right. It's two totally different instances. That's why I said, like... It's like there, there's some there's reasons to complain about certain things mm-hmm. like that, for example, and then there's other ones that are like, hey, the story's good, that you know you don't mind having right. these. And I think it's more so the complaints are like on Raw and SmackDown on the weekly TV, like you see the same match over and over and over. I don't think necessarily on pay per view, uh, like I said, especially if it's a, a really good story being told, like it was with Cody and Seth. But uh, yeah, I mean that's just like the WWE formula, and that's why I just figured I'd throw it in there too because I know a lot of people. Were I mean I, I saw it on Twitter. That's why I mentioned it. Like yeah. people are just growing. I mean I know it's it's like crazy to even say, but people are growing frustrated already because they want to see Cody move on and do something else. Um, and now obviously we have to wait. Now we got to wait. Come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you know, but yeah, hats off to those two. It was an incredible story that they told. All three matches honestly are on my match of the the year list uh, that I made up for for our end of the year awards. Um, really, just every single one was fantastic. So I'm really curious to get your thoughts on the next thing I want to talk about. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you know where I'm going. So at Hell in a Cell, we had this mixed uh, six-person tag. We had Judgment Day, or what I like to call them, Edge Appreciation Society. Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley versus the Bull Live Club of Finn Balor, AJ, and Liv Morgan, okay? I thought the match was entertaining. I really enjoyed the match. Um, Edge Appreciation Society went over. Fast forward to Monday Night Raw. It was announced that they were going to announce a new member to the Judgment Day. Okay, Judgment Day comes out. Edge, Damian Priest, Ripley. They get on the mic. Same spiel, Judgment Day, the same thing, whatever. As you can tell, I haven't really... Listen, I, I did like the idea of this stable, but just the... Um, I guess what, what they stand for, like, it hasn't really been connecting to me. You know, we get this curveball, right, that Finn Balor is announced as a new member. Finn Balor gets on the mic and saying, like, hey, I was talking to Rhea and Damien, and they have a lot of things in common, and then Damien Priest got on the mic saying, like, they were trying to get rid of things that they were holding him back and just I forgot what was the verbiage that Damien Priest said but it was like we need to get rid of the old or something down those lines and they pretty much attack Edge they turn on Edge and now the stable that Edge created he's not a part of anymore and now it's Finn Balor Damien Priest and Rhea Ripley and I don't even know what to call them anymore they're not the Edge Appreciation Society now they're just 
I guess a, a weird society. I don't fucking know. But my, my thoughts on it real quick. I feel like this was not planned whatsoever. I feel like WWE called an audible here because of the Cody Rhodes injury. And this created a domino effect when it came to the whole landscape of Monday Night Raw. For example, we got the return of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, right? It looks like now they're getting into a program with almost an MVP as faces. I feel like now with the loss of Cody, now you're having Edge going back to a face role because they need a top baby face. And now you have to have like other faces like kind of like in that mid-car role to kind of equal to what Cody stood for. Because, you know, listen, Cody Rhodes was like Mr. Monday Night Raw, okay? He was the face of Monday Night Raw. I know Roman Reigns is the dual champion, right? And technically he's on both brands. But Cody was Mr. Monday Night. Now that he's gone, I think that's WWE's vision. I think that's what WWE's looking at. And you're like, we need to do everything possible to equal what Cody Rhodes stood for. I don't think this happened by design. Because, like, to me, if Finn Balor was really inked to be part of Judgment Day, then why didn't they do the turn on Hell in a Cell? Like, why didn't they have Finn turn on AJ and Liv, join the group then? You know what I'm saying? Like, that would have made more sense. I feel like... They went into the arena on Monday night, and they're like, listen, we're going in a different direction on Judgment Day. Edge, we need you to go back to Babyface, and we're going to put Finn Balor in the group. Yeah, and especially because Edge won the match on Sunday in that match. So it's kind of just like they turned on Edge for what what they see holding them back. Meanwhile, like, he got the victory. He got the pinfall victory. (laughs) So uh, If anything, Edge is giving you guys wins. He's making you guys matter again. Right, right. It, the whole entire thing makes absolutely no sense. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they definitely called um, an audible there uh, because of the Cody Rhodes injury. And you know what? Honestly, like you said before, like I don't even think this this wasn't even hidden for me. Anyways, this Edge heel character and being the leader of this group, it really wasn't doing much for me. I think it benefits Finn Balor a lot more. He definitely needed something, and he definitely needed to turn heel. Um, so I'm kind of happy with the decision while it doesn't make sense sense, and it seemed like it was very abrupt. Yep. Um, I am all for it. And Edge being a babyface again, I think is, is, is the right decision, yeah. honestly, in my opinion. Give him his old theme song back. Let him grow out his hair again. Yeah. Yo, my man, cut his, my man cut his hair, changed his theme, changed his look just to have his own stable turn on him. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, like you said, like no thought was put into this at all, like you said. Uh, but I, it's probably for the better, uh, you know, in my opinion. Like I said, Finn Balor definitely needs more. I'm very excited for him to finally uh, have something to do and have a direction because he's been needing something for way too long. And I think he's obviously way better as a heel in general. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the segment was really good. No, I, I did I too. Did. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I just, I'm just kind of. With you, like, yeah, no one saw this coming. And that's a good thing, right? When you don't expect something, that's the best when it comes to wrestling. Yeah. yeah I just so feel like... It was a great sword. Right. I just feel like this wasn't planned out, and I feel like it was a last-minute decision, and it was an audible. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, I'm sure it totally was. Because, like you said, they, they... I feel like they think of these things on the fly, and they probably thought of it Monday, a few hours before the show, and they rolled with it. And, yeah, I don't think uh, on Sunday night they had any idea that they were going to go this direction. Now, going forward, what I would like to see is I do not want to see Edge. I know SummerSlam is like two months away or like a month. No, not even. Like, it's like about a month and a half away. I don't, I don't fucking know. But, like, 
I'm sure they're going to try to, they wouldn't want to sell out SummerSlam the best they could. So I'm, I'm sure they're going to need Edge. But I don't want to see, I don't want to see Edge back to like maybe a week before SummerSlam or something. Like, like, let me, let, I don't want to see Edge. Like, let, let us, let him sell the attack and maybe let him grow out his hair a little bit longer to the point where it's like, there's some length there, right? I, I don't think his hair is going to grow that much in a month, but still, like, give me some length. Give me something there, you know, like, even if it gets to the, his hair gets to the point where it was like when he first was like the radar superstar, when it was like, kind of like, like shoulder length, you know, give me, give me that. Like, it, it's just. I can't see Edge being like the true rated R superstar without some like hair length. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm totally in agreement with you there, and uh, I, I think you're you're right on that. I don't think we'll see Edge until around SummerSlam time. Mm-hmm. I think obviously they wrote him off. They did the um, concerto last night. Yep. So um, yeah, I, I think he'll come back and, and fight Finn Balor at SummerSlam, and I think that's the direction to go with that. Yeah. Um, I think it's the right decision. You got John Cena coming back now too, so yeah, they just uh, made yeah, twenty years of Cena. Holy shit! Yeah, dude, it's freaking crazy, man. Where the hell's time gone? What do you uh, think? What do you think? Austin Theory Cena at SummerSlam? Yeah, that's probably what I would do if he's going to wrestle. Um, it definitely should be a young guy, and obviously Theory. There's been comparisons of of Theory to John Cena, and uh, dude, let me tell you something. Theory, like that, so. while he, he's very talented in the ring, man, he is doing absolutely. Nothing for me. Nothing. No, dude, no. I am so not interested in this guy. I I was really hoping for Ali to pick up the win, you know, capture that United States Championship, especially being in Chicago. But, man, Theory is just, ugh. It's just boring, bro. They don't know how to create stars, bro. They they, they don't. I mean, they have so much gold at their fingertips and they just don't know what to do with any of it. So, I mean, they, you know, listen, they could have made Theory a big star. Um, he's a great worker and everything. He's got a great personality. Um, but the gimmicks they've given him have just been god-awful. And, yeah, I just feel like nobody's invested. Nobody cares. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the comparisons to, to him being the next John Cena, while I understand, like, the comparisons, I can see them, I just don't think he's going to get anywhere even close to that. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if Vince ends up giving up on this guy, you know, sooner rather than later. And he's chasing the 24-7 title, a title in a few months. Like, he's just, like I said, he, he's never going to become a, a top star. And I, I hope I eat my words on that because I don't hate theory. But, yeah, I'm gonna, he's doing absolutely God, just nothing for me right now. He's kind of in the, he's kind of like in a role. You remember Alex Riley when he was like the sidekick of Miz, how like everyone was like, yeah, yo, yeah. he has so much potential. He has a great look. He could talk or whatever. And then none of that happened, right? Like, Austin Theory, that's what ends up with him, where there's so much potential, people behind him, and then at some point, it just, they just, you know what? We, we just don't see it anymore. Yeah, dude, I, I could 100% see that, uh, and I would not be shocked one bit. Uh, we're, we're about to wrap up here, but just some last-minute things. Just to finish up on the WWE end, did you see that they teased a potential, like, tag team with Liv Morgan and um, Alexa Bliss. Like, during that Fatal 4-Way last night, they were, like, working together, and they kept on, like, eyeing down each other, like, there was something there. And, I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if they they pair them up, especially because, you know, the whole women's tag division is in limbo. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I actually, um, I had Raw on last night, and I saw, like, the entrances for the women, and then they went to commercial, mm-hmm. and then I just completely fell asleep, and I never went back to watch it back this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Rhea Ripley won, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, so, uh, but I did not see any of that. But, I mean, hey, listen, I don't know what they're doing with these women's tag titles, but uh, all I know is Liv Morgan should win Money in the Bank. That's all I know. I mean, it's long overdue already at this point. I would love for Liv Morgan to win Money in the Bank, but if they do go in this direction where Alexa Bliss and Liv Morgan becomes a tag team, I could totally see them both, like, cosplaying as, like, Harley Quinn and, like, looking identical to each other as a tag team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey, you know, I, whatever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. I, I wouldn't really care, to to be honest with you. But I feel like uh, it would give those two something to do. And obviously, they need people <laughs> for those those beautiful tag titles that they have that just have god awful ever since the the, the existence of them uh, when they first arrived on the scene. But uh, yeah, uh, Hiromu Takahashi won the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, he de- uh, defeated uh, El Desperado in the finals. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I probably would have went El Desperado, uh, for being honest. Me too. But again, Me too. The, the junior division is, it's, it is what it is. I mean, I, I, from what people have said, and I've seen some highlights and stuff too, and it's nice to have guys like Alex Zane and uh, Ace Austin yep. in the tournament this year. Uh, you know, it felt like a fresh best of the Super yep. Juniors from what everybody was saying, which is good. Mm-hmm. But then you ended with the same winner. Of the past right, it was years, a very predictable like, final. Very predictable final, like really, yeah. Desperado and and Takahashi, like, like yeah. you know, no, no offense to Romo, I'm a big fan of Romo Takahashi, but it's like, oh, me too. You know, let's. It would have been nice to put a Gaijin in there. Like, why, why yeah. couldn't it have been like Ace Austin and Takahashi, especially with Hiromo saying like he wants the X Division title. Yeah, or, or hey, I'm a big fan of El Desperado. Just give him that big win. Yeah, you know, that's I, I would have done it. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, listen, New Japan, while it's coming back and we have, like, you know, Dominion being a big show and feeling like old New Japan again, uh, the company still has a, a ton of issues. I mean, the, 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 I saw that the IWGP heavyweight titles are on, are, are they on Chase Owens and somebody Chase else? Chase Owens and um, Battle of Fallen. Oh my lord, dude, that's awful! <laughs> like they they still have a lot of freaking problems uh, within the company, and like I said, the junior division too is the same way. I mean, all these guys that that came over to make the tournament interesting. I mean, they're they're not signed. Ace mm-hmm. Austin's an impact, and Alex Zane is doing you know GCW and indie stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, they just need to freshen up a lot of things over there. And so yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that. Ace Austin, he's part of the Bullet Club, bro. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a part of the Bullet Club, too. Me, too. Me, too. I'm part yeah. of the Bullet wow. Club as well. You, you as well, huh? Yeah. Wow, they recruited you, too, huh? Yeah. Wow, it's crazy. Listen, this, anyway. is what I will, this is what I will say, right? It's getting oversaturated, like, all these new people going into Bullet Club, right? But if there's any positive coming out of this, right? Like, Ace Austin, I think, like, people are behind this guy. Like, he has, like, a, a pretty good fan base. People enjoy his matches. He's fucking awesome, whatever. Just him having the Bullet Club attachment to him, I feel like will benefit him. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's great for him. Right. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, listen, I, like I said, I haven't really been too invested in New Japan in a long time, so I haven't really been invested in the Bullet Club for a long time. So, um, you know, what does it really matter to me in, in the long run? Uh, but I just feel like it's just getting ridiculous at this point. Like, literally everybody's in Bullet Club. Like, and, and like, I know this group is still going for, you know, I mean, God, was it formed in like 2013? It's still going. Yep. Um, we've had so many members over the years, but just like there's so many guys that have had their names attached to Bullet Club. And I just feel like it's when we look back on like factions like the NWO, like 
a million people weren't in the NWO, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, I know it's different times. I understand mm-hmm. that. And obviously Bullet Club's been going way longer than the NWO did. But point being is like, you're going to look back on Bullet Club when it's all said and done. You're going to be like, well, Jesus Christ, there was like 25 guys in Bullet Club. Uh, you know, over the years, it's just it's just so ridiculous. It's def- um, I can tell you right now, it's definitely more than twenty five guys. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I threw, I just threw out a random number there, but it's I feel like we could. 25. I think we could probably double, maybe even close to triple that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, Juice Robinson too. He just joined recently. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many freaking people. And I wouldn't even mind if like they kick people out and they add people. Uh, well, listen, the House like, of Torture. I don't. I don't know if they're still part of Bullet Club, but that 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 they they need to not be part of Bullet Club. I don't need to see Evil. I don't need to see um who is a show or yo. I always get them confused. Yeah, I think it's show. Show. I don't need to see see show. I know yeah. uh, Tokyo Pimp uh, Takahashi. I know he's like one of the he's one of like the OGs of Bullet Club. Like you know, like in like the second incarnation of it, like when the Bucks were in and AJ was in or whatever. But like. Did he really matter? Like, he really doesn't matter. So he doesn't need to be part of Bullet Club anymore. Like, there's just some guys that I just don't care about. You know? Dude, there, just, there needs to be two guys who can, uh, you know, win the tag titles. And that's, you got the Good Brothers. There's got to be one leader, obviously. That's Jay White. Mm-hmm. There's got to be one junior uh, junior star. And that's um, Taiji Shimori. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you can have, you know, maybe like one or two other guys. And you got Juice Robinson and... You know, I guess bad luck Fale, but then you have Chase Owens, and then you have, you know, now you got Ace Austin, and you got, like, just, just too many guys, man. Yeah, just too, ELP, too ELP, fucking. ELP, yeah. You got, Chris, you got Chris Bay back in the States, like, yep. he's just. God, ELP, God, I forgot about him. Yeah, he's in Bullet Club. Oh, yeah, I know, like, that's the thing. It's like everybody's in Bullet Club. I do love El Phantasma in Bullet Club. Like, he fits perfectly in Bullet Club. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, he's good. And, and, hey, Ace Austin, I mean, from what I've seen, I saw him cut a promo the other night. He was great. Him, uh, you know, it seems like he kind of fits in, too, but it's right. just, like I said, it's just becoming. It's just too many guys. They need to get rid of some cluster. people. Yeah. They need to get rid of some people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind, they got rid of the fucking tongans, and it's like that doesn't even matter anymore. No, I know they they, they haven't even cut half the fat. I mean, they they cut those two guys, but it wasn't even like they they got to cut a lot more people. Like like you said, those uh those house of torture guys, like mm-hmm. evil. They, he's got no spot in the, in the group, and I just I never really thought that made sense in the first yeah. place. Uh, don't forget, even the even the Booker's part of Bullet Club, Gato. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. I know. I, like I said, it's becoming the, to the point where it's like there's so many people like ELP. Like, oh, there's there's so many juniors in, mm-hmm. in Bullet Club, and like they kind of need them to like feud with each other in right. the division, and they're all in the same faction. Will you be getting an Ace Club shirt? Okay, because you know that's coming. Ace Club. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> no, I will not be. Uh, I, I like Ace Austin. I really do. I think he's he's oh, very he's talented. Awesome. He's fucking awesome. Um, but. I know I will not be buying his his t shirt. Come on, man! You know, aren't you excited to see him like on an impact throwing up the two sweet and shit? No? <laughs> you don't care. Oh yeah, can't wait. <laughs> All right, one last thing. I definitely want to mention this. GCW just had a big weekend out here in Atlantic City, uh, Tournament Survival Weekend, and Drew Parker, which was fucking hurt a week before, like he had like a crazy gash. In Vegas or whatever. This guy wins the whole fucking tournament. He defeats Matt Tremont in the finals. Uh, I don't know if you got to watch any of it, but I'm, I'm happy for Drew Parker. Um, I, I probably would have went a different direction, but I'm happy that, that you know, he, he won the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I the first GCW show that I attended with you uh, last summer, he had one of the best death matches yeah. I've, I've ever seen. Um, 
uh, probably my first death match I've ever seen, but one of the best. And uh, yeah, he was just he was super sick, and I'm very happy to see that he's still thriving. He's still doing good things, and uh, I did not watch the shows obviously, but I saw some highlights, and it looked like absolute chaos, which obviously is not surprising at all. Um, but yeah, very 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 cool for him. He was uh, very talented. He gave his body yep. to everybody, and looks like he's still doing it. So uh, yeah, it's good that he get it gets rewarded. And then Sunday, Alice Colon and uh, John Wayne Murdoch, they fucking had a cage of survival match, which was fucking insane, dude. I highly recommend people to go back and watch that. They, 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 they just fucking beat the shit out of each other. Alice Colon went over, and I don't know where they're going to go from here, but crazy match, and, you know, it's GCW, so you're always going to get some the fucking craziness in yeah. the, the, the yeah. matches. Yeah, especially with back-to-back shows like this. Um, yeah, obviously, you, you knew... We're gonna get some crazy shit. So, uh, yeah, it looked like a fun weekend, and uh, every you know, I saw some videos and, and pics and stuff from people in Atlantic City. So, it looked like a fun weekend for sure. Yeah, their next weekend in AC, I think it's August twelfth or thirteenth or thirteenth or fourteenth. Whatever that weekend is, that's gonna be the next time they'll be around. So, I'll probably will be attending that weekend. I'm not sure, but most likely I want to say yes since I missed this weekend. You know, coming from Vegas, I needed a break, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, too much uh, of, yeah. of something is yeah. never a good thing. So break, sometimes, yeah, yeah, for sure. Dude, that's it, man. We knocked this one out of the park, bro. We I think we covered everything we needed to cover, unless there's anything else you want to add on. Uh, Yeah, no, I really think, uh, you know, like I said, we went over all the big things that went on. There was, you know, obviously a lot of injuries, you know, CM Punk, uh, Cody Rhodes thing, double or nothing. MJF. Yeah, I, MJF. Yeah, I feel like we uh, we definitely hit it out of the park. We we covered everything, and uh, yeah, let's see what's to come in the next few days. Got a big dynamite show to tomorrow night, which I'm looking forward to. Yep. Um. So yeah, it should be fun. Dominion this weekend. Yep. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll do a show Sunday. We'll talk about Dominion, whatever else happens, because I feel like nowadays we're wrestling every day. Something fucking crazy could happen. Especially with these yeah. injuries and this and that and work and shoot and this and who's leaving here and oh god, it's it's like hard to keep up, dude. Dude, tell me about it. I know that's why this business is uh, one of the best. There's always it's never a dull moment. There's always something going on, and you know it's uh, it's it's fun, man. It's a fun ride for sure. Definitely, bro. Hi, right, bro. Give me your plugs in. All right, at Lucha Outsiders on Twitter. I try and be as active as I can on there. I know I'm slacking a little bit. Life's been crazy, as you guys have known. Um, you know, it's 12.30 at, on a Tuesday night. Now it's Wednesday morning, and we're recording this, so that's just how crazy everything's mm-hmm. been. Uh, but definitely give a follow on there at Lucha Outsiders. Uh, definitely much appreciated. All right, you can follow me at Rated Arsons87, but make sure you follow us at Lucha Outsiders everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm not going to do where you can find the podcast because if you're listening to the podcast, you obviously know where you can find it. So for the sports entertainers, he's Ryan Radar. I'm yours truly, Mr. Rated R. Till next time, keep it Rated R and stay too sweet. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And good. Night, Ben!